This week, we are talking to Frank and Jen on the Achievers. Blue Mobile Tire is the business. I met Frank and Jen because I live here in Denver, and they do too. And they have a mobile tire business, which I did not know was a thing until I got a puncher, and I had no damn time to fix it. And they came to my house and took care of it. Frank and Jen, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So you got started in 2020, is that right? So Correct, where did yeah. that fall around the beginning of the pandemic? Were we into the pandemic when you started? Well, we got our van delivered uh, to us early March of 2020, which uh, was right before everything started shutting down. And then I started going out to my first appointments towards the end of March uh, when everything was getting shut down, actually. <laughs> okay, wow. Um, we're going to talk about why this is a great service in a minute, but how did the two of you arrive at this idea of, of doing mobile tire service? Well, basically, uh, both Jen and I, we actually met working at uh, Tesla. Um, She was a service advisor. I was a technician. And uh, essentially, after about three and a half years of doing that, we kind of came to the same conclusion that we wanted to do our own thing and decided to take the leap of faith to start our own business. Um, And specifically, Mobile Tire came upon us because we uh, saw essentially a YouTube video (laughs) where uh, the guy that designs these vans was... uh, basically advertising his service and his ability to build a van for people and have them start their own company. And I just happened to see it at the correct time. It piqued my interest. It was something I knew I could do. And it seemed just like the best way to use my skills uh, at a capacity that I could do. And Jen was all behind me the whole time and uh, something that I think would work out well for her too. And pretty much started the ball rolling from there. Yeah. <laughs> Was it a uh, was it mostly an exciting feeling or was it mostly a terrifying experience? I'm always sort of fascinated what those early emotions are like of a first business. For me, I would say mostly the terrifying part. I knew <laughs> I wanted to do my own business eventually one day. I always thought it would be like a normal shop, like autom- automotive repair shop. Um, and then seeing this kind of allowed me to get into my own business a lot sooner than I originally thought. So that's where it came terrifying because I was like, this is really going to have to happen. And uh, the way it worked was I had to put money down on the van to get built for me. And that was about a four month process to get built. So that whole time was me getting ready to start my own business while the van was coming. The money was already gone. It was no matter what I was getting, I was getting this van. So (laughs) that was a terrifying part. But uh, I think the place that we were working for normal companies like Tesla and our prior jobs before that really is what motivated us to like not be too scared to not do it essentially. Yeah. I think it became quite exciting once we had, a bunch of people reaching out to us without Mm -hmm. advertising or anything, you know, once we found out that uh, just through the process of, you know, word of mouth, uh, you know, our name was getting around and that was such a great feeling, you know, it felt like uh, our customers were actually pleased with the service that they were getting and they actually wanted to spread the word. So I think that was a big turning point to where terrifying turned into (laughs) excitement for us. That, that is the key point, right? I mean, you can invest yes. all the money you want in marketing, but if you can deliver a great product or service, it markets itself by and large. Yeah. And, and that's what you hit very early on. I find our neighborhood in, in Denver interesting because, of course, there's big box people that people often rave about online, about their sort of service for tires, and yet you've found this incredible thriving market. Is it a lot of people like me where it's a sort of time convenience and we don't want to go sit and wait in a shop and we're worried about nice cars getting damaged? Absolutely. I'd say um, people like you and uh, a lot of um, uh, family folks, you know, a lot of moms that have a bunch of kiddos running around that she can't just, you know, it's not easy to pop everybody in the van and go down to the tire shop and wait for who knows how long. 
you know, so uh, just the ability to take that off of people's plates is, is exactly what we were going for. Yeah. And it sounds like you've found a bit of a niche, not exclusively, but, but certainly a degree of the business in the, the higher end vehicles, right? Yeah. Somehow um, we just kind of fell into that. I think once word got out that we both worked at Tesla, um, that spread like wildfire here in Denver. So now it seems like everybody that has a Tesla wants us to work on their vehicles, which is fantastic. But um, yeah, for whatever reason, um, our name started getting spread around in the Porsche community and the Mercedes and BMW community, um, but even more uh, like off-roading vehicles. And for whatever reason, it just kind of uh, geared towards higher end vehicles which you know is fine for us i think it was like yeah the power of word of mouth because it only took a few people to see that we did a really good job it didn't scratch their wheels and then that when once that gets out it's like wildfire to like the car enthusiast community because they're spending sometimes you know over two grand on a set of wheels and the last thing they need is some minimum wage employee scratching all the paint off of them and now they got to buy another wheel or get it fixed so that's just a headache even if they do get uh compensated for the damage that was done so yeah, definitely word of mouth is what really helped us and get us over the edge of that. Yeah, convenience wasn't necessarily the main name of the game for us. It was convenience, but doing things the right way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so once people found out that, oh, they'll come to us, great, but they'll come to us and not ruin our wheels. Awesome. <laughs> so I think that was yeah. really a, a game changer for, for us. Hey, um, you worked on a friend of mine's car and what sold them on you, I think, for life is that they went to two big box places and they were told, they would have to buy four new tires um, because they had torn one of their tires and then they came to you and you apparently explained to them very nicely why that wasn't necessary and the tread on the other tires was fine and you know you saved them an absolute fortune with that service so that idea of doing the right thing i think is um has got to be a big part of the message yeah, we, we just want to be, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. We kind of want to be perceived as like the friendly neighborhood, trustworthy, you know, people that you can trust with your tires. And, uh, you know, I, I never want to look at an appointment as, you know, what can we get out of them or anything? That just seems gross to us. You know, it's, <laughs> it's all about doing the right thing. And and then they'll call us back. That's all we want. You know, we just want them to be happy with the service that they get. Yeah, and my prior career before Tesla was at a BMW dealership, and I was in the game of that where you basically have to sell as much as you can because as a technician, you make only what you, you make a commission basically off of the hours you turn or jobs that you do. So that's where people get the idea that mechanics like to screw you over because they just want to get more parts, more work out of you um, to help their paycheck, essentially. It's not always the right thing to do, and that was really kind of disgusting to me when I was going through that. But coincidentally, I didn't make a lot of money when I was doing that because I was just doing what was actually you didn't wrong. didn't want to play that game. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want to play the game. I didn't like the politics. So again, starting this business, I knew I would only want to do something if I could find a way to do it to where I could uh, uphold those, I guess, values and morals, uh, which probably is kind of rare in the automotive space. Um, but at least just focusing on tires and doing a van allows me to do that to my customers only at least. Yeah. I uh I became addicted when I moved to the states from England to NPR's car talk with click and clack obviously. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I've learned everything there is to learn about all the various ways that generally this industry loves to screw people over and and can screw people over. Am I right isn't this one of the lowest trust service industries ac- across the board? 
I would definitely believe I that. Yeah. yeah, I would. I would agree. I could definitely see that. Yeah, I think. I think the number I saw was it has as an industry a thirty-two percent approval rating, which is <laughs> appalling. I that. Yeah. yeah, because unfortunately, the average person doesn't know everything about their vehicle, whether it's tires or engine or suspension. So they're just at the mercy of trusting what these people have to say. So whether you actually need something replaced or you don't, they're going to err on the side of, oh, it's, it's, you need to get it done immediately. And this is, you know, an emergency, but uh, that's just not the way you should do business. You know, that's not, yeah. uh, that's not going to provide longevity and yeah. a happy customer basis. And that's primarily what we're aiming for. I sometimes compare your industry to the sort of home ownership industry, because generally what we're seeing across the board with us as all as consumers is the knowledge level we have around being able to do adulting things is generally deteriorating, right? People aren't teaching their kids how to repair a car. People aren't teaching their kids how to maintain a home. And these yeah. things are becoming more and more service industries. Whereas, you know, my wife grew up in um, Lafayette, Indiana, and went to 4-H and learned how to weave a basket that is still our laundry basket today in our house. And I won't say how old <laughs> she awesome. is, but the basket's got some years on it. And it is still perfect, right? And people don't know how to do that. She swapped her car out the other day, new Subaru turns up, I open up the hood. You can't do anything anyway. It's, it's yeah. black box sealed. And yeah. I can't help but think that's only going to deteriorate trust because people can't even do the most basic things themselves. Yeah. It's kind of a double-edged sword too, because obviously cars are getting more complex. So you need more trains to actually work on them, and they're trying to, you know, get you to not touch any of the important mechanical bits. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like you can't do it yourself to a certain degree, like you could back in the day, because it's not as mechanical. It's more electronic now, so you need more training. So you have to trust these people in these shops and providers, but they're under more pressure than ever because they need to pay for these expensive technicians now that are highly trained to work on them. So that's where, again, comes the politics and the game of trying to sell too much. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of just a mess of an industry in a way. <laughs> mm, yeah, I think it really is. Um, so the full range services, you started by doing sort of tire repair and sort of tire servicing. What are all the things now that fall within uh, the blue tire world? So yeah, we uh, now we uh, basically do full mounting and balancing like a normal tire shop, uh, rotations, um, flat repairs, like you said, we could do a puncture repair if it's in a correct area. Um, we now include a uh, nitrogen inflation. Um, oh, what's that? To, so that's basically, um, normally you fill up your tires with normal air, compressed air that's around us in the atmosphere. Uh, another option you can do is nitrogen, which is pure nitrogen. Um, it comes in a compressed cylinder. We essentially fill your tires with straight nitrogen. And the benefits of that is the air nitrogen molecules are bigger than normal air molecules. So they leak out less from a tire. Um, a lot of people don't know tire is actually a permeable material, which allows air to seep through slowly over time. So by having bigger molecules, it allows it to stay within the tire, maintain pressure, which is good for people who store their cars and stuff and right. don't want to keep topping them off every season when it gets cold and all that kind of stuff. Um, additionally, the nitrogen we put in has less uh, moisture content to it. So that allows less fluctuations with temperature and pressure going up in the mountains here in Denver, coming back down. All that's affected and less effective when you do use pure nitrogen. Wow, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, and that's again one of those things where like it's been around for a while, but you know it's kind of more important nowadays with like electric cars and such because um, they're a lot their range is a lot more affected by having incorrect tire pressure. So that's something that 
the average person isn't taught when they, you know, your dad's teaching how to change a tire. He doesn't know that kind of stuff, but it's more important in today's world. Right. And for those of us that don't want to feel like complete imbeciles and want to try and do something with our own cars, right? One of the few things we can do is put gas in it and put air in the tires. And now I've just learned I shouldn't even be doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. It's not right for everyone, but you have to actually know, you know, I was lucky enough to take training for this to actually know fine details about stuff like nitrogen and different uh, various markings on the side of the tire, yeah. load index and all that stuff. So it's a complicated world that I never even uh, knew existed until I really got in depth with it. Yeah, I remember making the mistake of asking you last time you came to service my car tires, what all the numbers on the side meant. And I think you and I could have stood there for four hours learning, uh, learning about that, which thankfully we didn't. Um, what I think one of the things that got me hooked on your service as well is when you rotated, when you switched out my seasonals, um, you put them in bags and you got my ladder out and you put them up on the shelf on the garage, which I think is, is a really sort of great service thing because I certainly didn't want to cram them all in my car on the way to a, a big box. Um, I think you also do tire storage now as well. Yes. Yes, we do. So like That's monthly tire storage for people like you who have two sets of tires, one winter, one summer, uh, we store the opposite set that they're not using for them. Should most people have two sets of tires or do these all weather tires do the job in Denver? I would say it really depends on um, an individual's specific winter driving habits. So if you're someone that likes to frequent the mountains to go skiing, boarding, or just, you know, cruising around, definitely recommend at least a full winter tire. So you would want to do seasonals. If you primarily stay within the city, uh, the city limits, um, you just want a decent amount of snow traction. You could probably get away with an all weather, which you can do all, all year long. So you wouldn't have to switch out. But if you have like a sporty car, um, then I, I would say you probably want to stick with like an all season or a summer tire and then going towards a winter um, uh, for the winter months. But, it, but, you know, it really depends on an individual's winter needs, you know. Yeah. And you may have like a big SUV that you use as your snow vehicle. So you'll never need a set of winter tires on your car. So that's kind of the other thing that we like to do is, uh, you know, when you go to a big box tire store, you're kind of pressured in the moment, like, okay, buy this tire because this is the one we have for your car. And you have no time to research it. And if it's right for you, we'll have 10 email back and forth with you, figuring out what is actually right for you as an individual in your car and your driving habits. And if you could benefit from winter tires, or if maybe you're someone that would just need an all weather. Really try to tailor it to our ind an individual customer, not yeah. just across the board. This is what we recommend. And that's it. It's just, what does, what does Dax need? And we're going to get you the best setup, you know? Yeah, no, that is interesting. I honestly, I, before I met you two, I didn't even know there was this much two tires. I always <laughs> made sure my tires, tires weren't in bad condition, but outside of that, I never really gave it much of a, much of a second thought. So hopefully a lot of this information has been, uh, helpful for our uh, our residents here as well. Um, a real pleasure to meet you both. Congratulations on the business. It really is a great service. Uh, we'll put the links and everything to your site in the show notes, but what's the uh, what's the web address for listeners? Uh, just bluemobiletire.com and we spell blue with no E, so B-L-U. I think you named your dog Blue, if I remember as well, right? Yeah. Our, uh, yeah, Blue will be nine coming up here in October. So we actually named the company after him. So we call him our little CEO. <laughs> he calls the shots. Perfect. I love it. Thank you very much, both. Appreciate you joining us. Thank, Thank you, you for having us, Dax.